Hello! Welcome to Comic Book Herald Live. Hey everybody, I'm debuting founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about Fall of X comics announcements coming out from Comic-Cons over this past weekend. Talk a little bit about today's comics. I am extremely behind. Extremely behind. But we'll talk Sins of Sinister. We'll answer your questions, and we will also talk about the X-Men solicited comics that have come out, because there's some big news as far as what is to come. Big Fall of X news announcements this week. I'm seeing people in the chat already getting the song that I whistled. I don't think anybody got last week's. Last week was LFO. That was harder. Today was the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Apparently easier. <laughs> Who did it better? LFO or the Stones? I think it's a time-tested debate, and maybe we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, get in your questions, get in your thoughts. Thanks for everybody who gets able to join live. We'll talk here today as we go. I'll address as many comments as I can. Of course, Super Chat is open and available if you want to support CBH Endeavors. Thank you so much to those of you who do so and have done so. And thanks to those who support Comic Book Herald over on Patreon.com slash Comic Book Herald. CBH is reader-supported, listener-supported, you-supported. So thank you for joining. Listen, it's early in the show, I'm already tired. I'm already wiped. <laughs> we just started. I'm going to hit this. Now, this is not... Usually, we're sponsored by Big Water. And today, we have the same jug. But as if, you can, if you're watching, you can tell this water is not clear. Okay? And there's been a lot of storms in the area. But don't worry. We're fine. The water's fine. Um, but I put some strawberry packet in here. I'm not going to brand them. I'm not going to give them the sponsorship. If they want that sponsorship, they can come and talk to me. They can email me. DaveAtConvoCarroll.com. Listen, it's easy. It's easy to find... I'm incredibly accessible if you're offering money. If I'm, if you're not, you're never going to hear from me. Um, but let's try it. Let's try the strawberry lemonade. There we go. <laughs> All right, let's dig into it, baby. Early start with the kids today. I'm wiped. Let's talk comics. Uh, Marco says, you can't always get what you want, which means that's not every Wednesday. We get to see Dave discussing comics. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. I could have skipped today. Could have skipped today. All I got to read today was Immortal X-Men number three. Um, but you know what? There's enough big news over the last weekend that, that we can dig into that. So let's talk. Uh, the July X-Men slate looks really flipping good. Looks really, really flipping good. Primarily because we've got Immortal X-Men number 13. Come on back, Immortal X-Men. I am ready. I am ready for the return of Immortal X-Men. Here's the solicit. Writer Kieran Gillen and Lucas Wernick turn the spotlight to Doug Ramsey and gives readers a chance to hear from Krakoa directly. Time is running out. Fall is here. Doug is the voice of Krakoa. It's time for Krakoa to speak. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let me hear from Krakoa, right? We've been asking for this for a while. Been looking for this puppy for a while. What does Krakoa think of all this? Remember that island they live on? The, the nation? Remember how it's sentient? <laughs> Can we get some opinion? From our man, Krakoa. Can't wait for that issue. I'm super ready for Immortal X-Men to return. Uh, X-Men Red number 13. Speaking of things I'm super interested in returning. In Al Ewing and Jacopo Camigny's X-Men Red number 13, Genesis once again walks the island she ruled for millennia with the Annihilation staff in her hand. But what is in her heart? Is the return of the Mother of Araco to be celebrated or feared? Hell yeah. Return of Tennis Swords and the Apocalypse Family. That's going to be awesome as well. Then we're going to have the Four Sinisters as part of the Fall of X build. The summer's going to be pretty loaded with, with big, important, interesting X-Men comics. I'm here for it. I'm excited. 
And that all builds, of course, to the biggest announcement, the biggest announcement that came um, this past weekend, which is the Fall of X, post-Fall of X, X-Men comics lineup. If you haven't seen this already, they announced uh, North of a Dozen, which would be 13, a Baker's Dozen? Let's see. Let's let's count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. I was right. Baker's Dozen X-Men comics uh, as part of the X-Line after Fall of X. Okay. So, the fears, as we've talked about here, that Fall of X would be the end of the Krakoa era and there would be no more X-Men comics after that point. Uh, of course, unfounded. Um, Fall of X will not be the end of the Krakoa era. It will result in some semblance of a different status quo, but based on this lineup, maybe not too different. Maybe not too different at all. We got some recurring puppies. We got X-Men. We got Wolverine. We got uh, uh, X-Men Red and Immortal X-Men. Whew, good, right? We got X-Force. <laughs> we got Uncanny... Nope, that's new. Invincible Iron Man. Not new, but coming into the X-Office, which it already is, clearly. I mean, Jerry Duggan and team are, are writing an X-Book with Tony Stark. That's been pretty clear from Jump. Um, it's going to build into the Hellfire Gala and then Fall of X. Not shocking there, Okay. The surprises were the new ones. Astonishing Iceman. Bobby's getting a solo again. That'll be interesting. Children of the Vault. What do we got here? This is the biggest wild card of the bunch, probably. Um, real open-ended, what that could be. Right? Are we actually doing a Children of the Vault <laughs> book? It's certainly no more than five issues, or is it? Like, that one I'm fascinated in. No creative teams attached to any of these, by the way, um, which is, which is, you know, leaves it entirely up to speculation, right? We have basically nothing to go on in terms of, is this going to be good or isn't it? I mean, I think with some of the continuing series or some of the books that have already been announced, a la Uncanny Avengers, like we know that's going to be written by Jerry Duggan. Then you got Dark X-Men, which I think the, the prevailing theory here is that's going to be a, a Madeline Pryor Havoc book, which, okay, uh, Realm of X, what is that? I'm guessing that's going to be the teeny Howard side of Captain Britain things. Um, although, for her sake, I wish it, like, just stick with Captain Britain. Like, like, <laughs> like maintain some branding. Good grief. Uh, then there's going to be Alpha Flight. Boo. Don't need that in my life. We'll talk about that. Uh, and then Uncanny Spider-Man. Uncanny Spider-Man. Bit of a twist. Uh, okay. One of the most notable things here. After Fall of X... The X office is going to be running an Avengers book, an Iron Man book, an Alpha Flight book, and a Spider-Man book. That is covering most of your bases in the Marvel Universe. There is very little stopping them from actually using Moira's 11th life on the whole Marvel Universe at that point. If you remember, forget the logistics of how that happens, okay? Myra gets her mutant ability back. She can reset the timeline. Figure it out. It can happen, right? Forget the logistics for a minute. One of the problems with Moira's 11th life that we've talked about in the past was, okay, if there's this idea that her mutant ability resets the timeline and then things start over again, well, wouldn't that also impact the rest of the Marvel Comics line, right? So can you do it where it's just an X-Men story, that doesn't impact everything else happening. Your Captain Americas and Captain Marvels and Black Panther, etc. Right? 
doesn't that kind of have to be a whole Marvel Universe event, a la Secret Wars? At this point in time, when we're bringing all these different franchises in under the X office, right? If that's the plan anyway, to me, that feels like a build to ultimately use Marvel's 11th life. You know, the center of Marvel Comics remains in X, okay? I've been on this for how long now? <laughs> Over a year, probably, right? The center of Marvel Comics as a whole is X-Men. It is X-Men-based story. It is events. It is what is happening in Krakoa. There is nothing more important to the core of the Marvel Comics universe right now than this storyline. And that is all built on the back of the success and quality of House of X and Powers of Ten. You know, it makes sense. Um, but look across Marvel Comics, the broad landscape. There's no other event coming that has anywhere near the impact or relevance or anticipated drama of Fall of X. You know, there's a Summer of Symbiotes thing going on, which is a very contained niche kind of thing. Um, the Marvel Universe, like the like, if you think about the big picture shared universe core story, it's the X-Men story right now. Um, and that's going to stay true until this era falls apart. And it hasn't fallen apart yet. It has suffered. It has diminished. It has decreased from the potential of where it started. But it, but it is still very much at the top of what is successful and what is important as a shared universe story in Marvel Comics right now. You know, so we're looking at an Avengers book, an Iron Man book, an Alpha Flight book, Spider Man book. It says a lot of things. It says X Men is at the center. That's the most obvious thing it says. But to me, the potential seed there that it's leading to is oh, okay, we can do a more life reset, go to a life 11, and have every book acknowledge that and, and kind of have. Because if you do an 11th life, you know, that raises a lot of troubling continuity questions, right? Like, okay, is this a reboot? Are we gonna are we gonna go that hard on this? Heroes Reborn style? That's a big move. That you have to have a lot of buy-in and a lot of desperation to get to that point. Okay. Um, so that that seems less likely to me, but at the same time, like, I don't know. Like Marvel Comics right now, they're year five into the fresh start era. We are year 25 into the post-Heroes Reborn 1998 sort of half-soft reboot of the Marvel Universe. You know, in a lot of ways, and this is where the comic book Herald reading order and, and modern Marvel era starts, it starts in 1998. Like, that is the year where Marvel sort of writes the ship through Marvel Knights and just through some kind of nostalgic, just back-to-basics books like Kurt Busiak, George Perez, Avengers where 1998 becomes this sort of line in the sand of like, oh, this is where the modern era starts. It doesn't hard reboot it, per se, right? The continuity still runs back to Fantastic Four in 1961. Um, but that is, that's a line in the sand. 25 years later, you know, people like to talk all the time about Marvel reboots so often, you know, the re relaunch series all the time. They actually haven't hard rebooted the whole universe, like ever. Um, Heroes Reborn being its own kind of pocket thing in 1996, right? And DC obviously did do this in 2011 with New 52. Now, I would say <laughs> a, less, a lesson of New 52 is incredible 
short-term branding and marketing success, and then incredibly disappointing, even midterm, not even long-term, just midterm results and ability to sustain. You can only have the hype of New 52 in 2011 through maybe early 2013. Now, some of that speaks to the quality of what was being produced as well as the quantity. The books themselves, you know, like did they, there weren't that many <laughs> that held up that long. Um, but like, I think if I'm a publisher, I'm looking at the history and the lesson of the New 52 and saying never again. Like that's not the way. Just do eras and try to brand it effectively a la Marvel. Now, um, the counter to that, the counter to that definitely would be Marvel now did not have the branding success that New 52 has. And actually, to this day, folks are way more likely to look for New 52 comics or to start reading with the New 52 than they are with Marvel now. Now, I think Marvel now has a lot better, at the top of the top of the heap, there are much better comics throughout the entirety of Marvel now than there are throughout the entirety of the New 52. That said, the branding and the idea that like, oh, you can jump in and just start here and it's fresh and you don't have to worry about the baggage and you can go and just, it's just one contained thing and then it ends. That idea is tremendously appealing, I think, to superhero readers um, who are who are newer to the game. Certainly, right? If you've been around for a while, it's probably less appealing. Uh, but then, of course, by the time it hits 2015, 2016, it's like, oh, we have to go back and recapture our continuity and DC Rebirth happens and blah, 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 right? History of DC. Long story short, is Marvel ready for that kind of hard turn? Could Moira's 11th life be a part of that? Or does it just stay contained primarily to an X-Men story where you basically say, okay, we'll use the 11th life, we'll reset things, but certain fixed points in time still happen, right? And we, we change a few things in the timeline about the build up to Krakoa, right? Maybe that direction now changes. Maybe they don't do Krakoa at all. Right. And so you can change certain very specific X-Men things without necessarily saying like, oh, and Professor X and Magneto never met. Right. Or going this really hard, full, different alternate reality, you know. Um, so anyway, <laughs> all of that is way over analyzing this list of comics <laughs> that really, really only does two things officially. Uh, one is it, it tells us there's going to be X-Men comics after Fall of X. Of course there are. And they're going to sound a lot like the X-Men comics we have already. I wish they sounded a little more drastic, right? I wish they sounded weirder, you know? I mean, the only book here that is truly... I guess there's three, three here that actually make me raise my eyebrow. Children of the Vault, getting its own series, is a surprise. Alpha Flight, getting a book at all. I'm assuming Alpha Flight is going to be like a post-Orcus Vindicator kind of book. Um, or... Or the alternate option here is Victor Laval just takes the title and that's his Sabretooth book. Like Sabretooth just decides like, I'm going to do an alpha flight. That would actually rule the most. <laughs> that, that's the best possible answer here is to take the no good, very bad, stinky alpha flight and just rebrand them entirely. Would love that the most by far. Uh, and then the other surprise, of course, is Uncanny Spider-Man. Uncanny Spider-Man. Uh, this one is... A potential shocker, you know? And it, it, Spider-Man has had, not not Herman Schultz, right? Not that shocker. Um, Spider-Man has had 
at-bats in the X-Men universe, right? There's a series not too long ago, uh, Spider-Man and the X-Men, where he was teaching, um, you know, school of the kids, right? And this is probably is it right after Secret Wars, right before. It's probably most well-known for the Sauron, I don't want to cure cancer, I just want to make dinosaurs joke, which is obviously very good. Um, Spider-Man's been around the X-Men, right? They're friendly, generally speaking. Doing an uncanny Spider-Man uh, suggests, though, like a hard, like this is an X-Book, right? Uncanny is the adjective of the X-Men. Um, so doing it with Spider-Man is interesting. Now, now here's a theory. Follow this train of thought. And keep in mind that when I wrote this down on Twitter, it was April 1st. Just keep that in mind. Zeb Wells wrote the best X-Men comic of the Krakoa era. Now, when I say the Krakoa era, just to be clear, because a few people were like, well, actually, um, I'm talking about post-House and Powers. House and Powers starts the Krakoa era. The Krakoa era is comics that came out after House and Powers, for me. Zeb Wells wrote the best X-Men comic of the Krakoa era. That would be Hellions. He now writes Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man number 25 or 26 is teased as the most shocking Spider-Man comic since 1973. 1973 would be the death of Gwen Stacy. An uncanny Spider-Man comic is planned after Fall of X. Therefore, Spider-Man is a mutant. What do we think? <laughs> this got some attention on social. Got a lot of people upset, of course. Uh, okay, do I think this is likely? No, I don't. Uh, would I be mad about it? At this point, honestly, not especially. <laughs> I don't think it works, actually. I think it's too messy long-term. The only way I kind of dig it, and first off, I'm, if it happens, I'm reading it, right? I'm, I'm super interested in where that goes. Um, but let's say they make Spider-Man a mutant. The way I like it the most is if it's a real short-term thing and then it gets undone relatively quickly by the Moira Life reset, by him finding out otherwise. I mean, listen, like Spider-Man has had things in his life undone that were seemingly monumental. Just go read the Clone Saga. You know, this stuff happens all the time. Um, could Spider-Man be a mutant? Like, I, I don't know. It wouldn't blow, it w I wouldn't be shocked. That's all I'm saying. I would not be totally taken aback. I'd be like, yeah, there's actually a fair amount of clues here that suggest this is a possibility. Um, now, having caught up on Amazing Spider-Man the last few issues, this seems even less likely <laughs> with everything that Zeb Wells and John Romita, John Romita Jr. Um, are doing in that book, which is, so they're, they're finally, they're about, they're coming up to issue 25 and they're finally paying off the mystery that this, this run started with, which was at the start of the run, it was like a year and a half ago, Peter did something where basically everyone turned on him. MJ left, she got married, she has kids now. Um, everyone's mad at him. The only person who likes him now is Norman Osborn, who's trying to break good. <laughs> That's basically it. And now they're finally unveiling, like, okay, what happened? And it is some alternate dimension magic, like, like just mumbo-jumbo. Um, I liked the first five-ish issues of this run just fine. Everything since then is a real disappointment, I think. Again, especially considering I genuinely believe Zeb Wells wrote the best X-Men comic of the Krakoa era. It's a good writer, good creator. John Romita Jr. pedigree is obviously well-established. It is super weird. So we're simultaneously reading 
um, the the JMS JRJR Spider Amazing Spider Man from the early two thousands in my Marvel this year. The podcast reading club will go through the history of Marvel comics from its origins to today, and it's super weird going back to reading those right with the JRJR art. And I'd like that run a lot until I don't. And if you've read it, you know, right? It's like great, and then it hits like these really controversial points and just plummets. Um, but Jeremy Jr. is a good fit on that book. And in the early 2000s, and now here we are, you know, 20 plus years later, and it's like, he's back, his style has not changed at all. I would argue it has regressed. Um, it still has moments, still has flashes, absolutely. So is a celebrated creator of the medium from an incredible legacy, right? Um, you know, familially, but it, it it's just like 20 years later, here we are, and it's, it's the same thing. You know, that super rarely happens in comics. I don't think it's a great fit. But all of that is kind of besides the point, just to the narrative, which is like a real slow play mystery that has been dragged out to the point that seemingly just everyone is mad at it. <laughs> like, like it's not just that like it's unpopular, but it's like these, these mysteries, when Marvel takes it upon themselves to drag out a mystery like this, I feel like it never goes well. Because the payoff is almost never worth it. You know, I'm thinking of examples like Red Hulk, Red Hulk's identity for a long time. Um, who is the new Thor with Jane Thor for a minute? You know, this one is is another good example. I mean, you can look at a counter. So I caught up on Fantastic Four actually this week as well. The the new Ryan North written run, because a bunch of you here last week were like, you got to read this run. It's really good. And you're all right. It's pretty good. Um, that starts with a mystery as well. What happened to the Baxter building? Why is the world mad at the Fantastic Four? It uses that mystery to set up a structure and an approach to story that makes for really engaging reading. The first three issues get to focus on the members of the Fantastic Four individually. We get a Thing and Alicia issue. We get a Reed and Sue issue, which is great. And then we get a Johnny issue, which is very fun, right? And then the fourth issue unveils the mystery. <laughs> Solved quickly, honestly, to the point where I was like, oh, I actually could have gone for longer without knowing that answer, which is where you want, I think, to, to be revealing your mystery. Before, like when fans are still thinking, oh, I actually could have waited, that's the right time. That means you did not wait too long. AMS, Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, AMS, ASM, <laughs> is doing the exact opposite, right? Dragging and dragging and dragging its feet to the point where here we are now, you know, and this is like Zeb Wells had the Beyond Era as well. Like he's been on Spider-Man books for a minute and whatever answer they come up with, it's it just, you're, you're making it so hard on yourself to have something satisfying, I think, when you drag it this long and you make everyone this annoyed. <laughs> and it's not like, it's not like it's a month by month problem. It's not like it's a thing unique to the, the the Wednesday Warriors going to their comic shops every month to get Amazing Spider-Man. If you binge this run, you're going to have the same experience, just slightly less dragged out, right? You know, like it's still 25 issues. That's a lot of comics to read to get to some kind of answer, which in this case appears to be, frankly, a, a, as far as my read on it is, is like a pretty weird, like pretty weird take, right? Like <laughs> pulling from a villain that nobody remembers um, and having this, this sort of magical, spiritual life, you know, larger than life thing with Spider-Man, I'm super checked out on it. It's just like, really? All that set up for this? This is what we had? 
This was the big idea. This is the pitch that won over Spider-Man. Really? There's a couple more issues to go, right? And you see what the answer is, but it's just like the answer has to be so flipping genius when you've set the expectations this high and you've made everybody wait this long. I don't, I, I'm just, I, it's so hard to think of any examples in Marvel where that has been like a good approach or where that has worked. I mean, the one example that comes to mind for me, which is a much smaller scale thing comparatively is Rubumalal in Hickman's Avengers, right? There is some mystery as to who this character is and the payoff is amazing. But I think the thing, and maybe this is just my fandom showing through, but the thing that Hickman does so well in that Avengers run is not everything is predicated on the reveal of who Rubumalal is. It could ultimately it could ultimately have been a totally new character and that would have been pretty acceptable because there's a core narrative and plenty of things going on with all sorts of other characters that were driving those runs. It wasn't the center of that book. The mystery of what Spidey did and how it resulted in the situation where MJ is married and has kids is the center of the Spider-Man book. And you put all your chips on that moment and now here we are all these years later and everyone's just mad <laughs> you know like it's just i i don't get it i don't get it um i guess you know it's very cynically i could see you thinking like oh well people keep buying it because they have to keep buying it to get the answer but i think realistically that's a pretty pretty short-sighted vision because now you just now you're who's your audience at that point the rage buys like, like, what a valuable audience that can be. Anyway, we'll see where it goes. I'm curious, but um, I, I don't like where it's at. <laughs> so, so do I think, so I guess the question then ultimately is, okay, is it going to spill into Uncanny Spider-Man? I would actually guess that Uncanny Spider-Man is going to have something to do with Deadpool. Um, I don't think it's actually going to be a Spider-Man book. I don't actually think the X office is going to straight up take over a Spider-Man title. I mean, you could do a mini where he's a teacher on Krakoa or whatever, right? Like that, that precedent has been set before, but given that the Alyssa Wong written Deadpool right now is doing, I mean, it's, it's going hard on the Spidey side of things. We've got Doc Ock in the first five issues. We've got carnage all up in Deadpool <laughs> for these five issues. Like it could be a symbiote Deadpool thing where he's like pretending to be a Spider-Man. I actually think that's more likely than than Spider-Man being a mutant. So that's my theory on that one. But again, we have no creative lineups except for stuff that's already been announced. Um, people don't actually know what these books are going to be. I'm curious to see. Uh, but again, like the thing for me is my reaction to this is I'm very excited. Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red are fine. Like it's like we knew that, but I like seeing it on paper. <sighs> Otherwise, I wish there were more surprises, you know? I wish there was there was more of an indicator in the title name that like a new dawn for Krakoa was actually going to result out of this. Like if you're telling me there's still going to be Wolverine and there's still going to be X-Force and also that they're by the same team who's going to get a hundred plus issues on this run, which like I, I saw a tweet from uh, Connor of Cerebro today um, that was basically like, this is great. This should be celebrated. Creators should get like, that's what we should be rooting for, is creators to get this many at-bats, get this many issues on a long run. And he's right. He's right. Specific, like, in that broad broad analysis, 
that is absolutely what I, as a comic fan, want. Like, like this new era of everything's a five-issue mini kind of sucks. You know? I get why it's happening, sales-wise and all that. Um, but as a fan of comics, somebody who loves these things and likes long, ongoing runs, kind of sucks. And also, like, you just don't get, creators don't have the space to take chances. <clears throat> I think the specific example of the Ben Percyverse is a bad one. Because for me, it's it's very middle of the road, and, and I think it's a slog any way you slice it. But I do agree, more creators should get those long runs. I would love to see more of that. I think the problem here is just, you know, who's getting the at-bats, right? I mean, look across Marvel. Who's getting the long run at-bats right now? And then part of it, too, is who wants them, I guess, you know? But it's like, okay, who's getting the at-bats? It's Jerry Duggan. It's Ben Percy. Um, Karen Gillen, if he wants it. You know, Al Ewing, kind of, if he wants it, you know. But even Ewing, like, <laughs> like, like, even Ewing is getting pushed around all sorts of different series. I don't know, maybe that's the thing they're interested in. I have no idea. Um, who else? Who am I? Zeb Wells on Spider-Man, certainly. Dan Slott on whatever he wants to do, right? He's got a blank check with Marvel, essentially. Um, who else? Like, who else gets just free reign? And, and note here, too, like, none of the women in the X office are getting that or, or the non-binary creators, right. Are getting that rope. Teeny Howard's getting reset into five issue minis. Every series. Leia Williams is right. You know, X-Force got canceled or not X-Force uh, X-Factor got canceled early and then is in five issue minis. VDIL got a good run with Rod Race on, on new mutants, but now that's good and gone. Right. I'm just saying like, who are you giving the at-bats to? If we want more of these at-bats and I do in these long runs, Spread the wealth. It shouldn't just be to the same creators. Okay? Um, that that I pretty strongly believe. Uh, Kelly Thompson, Captain Marvel. Thank you for mentioning that in the comments here, Brian. You're correct. Kelly Thompson, great long run on Captain Marvel. Yes, good. Is it my favorite? Doesn't matter. Do long runs. Get to 50. I love it. I want to see creators get that. That part of things I completely agree with. Completely agree with. Um but yeah, it's like, I, I mean, it, it's a comics thing right now. Uh, it's the era we're in, I think, of, of that getting pushed to the wayside. But I do think it's the thing, too, where it's like, if all you're giving creators who are growing and don't have audiences as much, if all you're giving them is five-issue minis, there's only so much you can do, you know? Not that you can't succeed with the five-issue mini. Look at Victor Laval on Sabretooth, right? It can strike gold, um, but it's harder. I think. Jen McKay on, on Strange and Moon Knight is probably another good example, right? And hopefully going to get the same on Avengers. Uh, so yeah. All right. Where are we going with all this? Who knows? Who knows? Sometimes, you know, it's like, it's just me and you get to talking and then you, you hit a point. You're just like, where am I? <laughs> where am I in this conversation? I've been thinking lately that it could be useful to have another human to speak to. <laughs> instead of rambling for an hour uh the problem with that is i i think it'd be fun to like every week have somebody like relatively new but boy is that a lot of work to schedule and set up and maintain schedules and i just well i have no time for that so i need somebody who is completely down to do this whenever i want to <laughs> which is always wednesdays and is way smarter than me and great in analysis and has totally new and interesting perspectives. So if you know that person, send them my way. I'd love to extend them uh, a permanent residence here. Let's just let's just do that. There's a room available, okay? 
I am, I am not charging any rent. I am simply asking, would someone come cohabitate with me and talk comics? <laughs> if you know a person who might be interested in that, definitely, definitely let me know. But again, the caveat here is they have to be awesome. Um, they have to really know their stuff. And, uh, and they have to mostly agree with me, but not always. <laughs> that's, that's the hardest part, right? That's the My Marvel This Year challenge is that, you know, I brought in Zach and it's like this, this guy just disagrees with me constantly, constantly. Oh boy. <laughs> Makes for better listening. Makes for better listening, I think. All right, let's do this. Uh, we have one comic to talk about. I think I covered all the news more or less. Getting your questions, getting your thoughts. Super chat is open and available. I saw one earlier. Let's get back to that. And then I'll take a look here at the questions. I'm going to take a big sip of this strawberry packet powder. We're going to see how that goes. Let's see. Uh, Bill mentions here in the comments, in a recent episode of This Week in Marvel, C.B. Sablewski revealed Cy Spurrier will be writing a Mystique series that will bring ramifications for her, Irene, X-Men, and all mutants in Q4 of 2023. It seems like a big deal. Is that true? Um, that's off my radar. That is, that is not a part of the, the fall of X lineup seemingly, although maybe it's one, you know, who knows, right? Children of the Vault. Could that be a Destiny and Mystique go to the Vault book? That'd be fascinating. That'd be interesting. I'm, I'm a little surprised Spurrier's actually staying in the X office, if that's true. Uh, just because the news that he's taking over Flash. He's writing a great Boom Studio series called Damn Them All. One of my favorite, uh, first favorite books of the new year. I actually just posted my 10 favorite comics of the first quarter of 2023 that's up on comicbookgirl.com right now if you want to go check that out 10 great reads that i highly recommend that's interesting that's interesting thanks for the share there let's see in the super chat we got what remy did to screw over the pro mutant bar in rogue gambit 2 he did no favors to human mutant relations orcus got new recruits thank you for the super chat there are xerox uh, i have not read rogue gambit number two yet so I cannot comment. Uh, oh, that that's probably going to be a catch up when it's done for me. Um, I do like Stephanie Phillips. She's written some really good comics, and uh, I'm curious to see where that goes. But I'm not a huge Rogue Gambit fan. So just on a, a narrative level, like I'll I'll check it out when it's done. See if it's my cup of tea. Uh, all right. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, we got some ideas pouring in. Let's see what people are saying. Uh, Darren suggests Blurred Without Fear for a co-patriot. Yeah, I mean, Ernie's awesome. He's he's my my one and only collaboration <laughs> on this stuff. Um, maybe maybe we'll try to bring Ernie back for, for After Sins of Sinister. That could be fun. It's been a little while since we've talked. Um, I, I can't imagine he'd want to do a weekly thing because, like, clearly dude is busy. Um, check out, the, obviously, the Blurred Cave, you know, with more successful endeavors. Uh, Comics Explained mentioned here on Donald Freeman. Um, yeah, I, I talked to Rob on, on Twitter sometimes. That's happened more than once. <laughs> Maybe he'll come join. That would obviously benefit me. Uh, Bill says, challenge Casually Comics. You know, I reached out to, uh, to Casually Comics for the Hickmania series we did, and, uh, you know, I never got anything, which, which happens, never bit. Uh, but, it, yeah, I like that channel. It did good work. Let's see. Xavier says you should do a night where you meet viewers one by one. <laughs> I have thought about, like, like how you could replicate, you know, radio phone calls, right, and, and have viewers Skype in or whatever. Um, 
you definitely you would need a DJ, right? You you would need an actual production assistant to make that happen. That could be kind of fun, but also insane. <laughs> it's interesting. All right, what else? What else? What else? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so since the sinister, immoral X Men number three came out today. We got uh, the Star Trek uh, ode is more and more apparent here, opening of course with a psychic log instead of the captain's log. That was incredibly clear. I said it before and I'll say it again. This is going to be a good hardcover. It's going to all come together nicely. I am super ready for Immortal X Men to come back and to officially be back. Um, the big, the big plot stuff that happens here is Destiny leaves a message behind for Mister Sinister. Oh, by the way, we're a thousand years into the future, and it's a mutant one hellscape, basically. Uh, all of the council has devolved into their their worst possible selves because of the fact that they've been sinisterized, right, of sorts. Uh, it does actually, you know, there's Gillen's doing the thing where they're moving incredibly fast and they're alluding to big wild ideas without, you know, having the time or space to really explore them. And this this was the first issue where I was actually like, I'd actually like to spend some time in year 1000 with what is happening with these players, you know, and and these Exodus religions and all these different sects and what's going on with them. Frost is the Empress of the Red Diamond and apparently we got Namor and Magic is part of the Quiet Council, but obviously things have gone just totally off the rails there. Like, it's cool to allude to stuff and and not have to, like, and let, pe- and let readers' imaginations fill in the details, right? I mean, I think that's a huge part of why Days of Future Past resonates so strongly to this day is because Claremont and Byrne, you know, that we're just like, okay, we're jumping ahead, and because we're doing this in two issues and we have a clear story to tell, there's going to be a lot left to the imagination of how we got to this point. And you kind of find, as you read it, and you find the success of that story and why it works so well, is like, yeah, those details don't actually matter at all. You can fill them in in your headcanon however you want, but you're kind of missing the point if that's what you're spending your time doing. You know, the effect of a poster of all your favorites with the words slain, missing, across their faces is more powerful than any number of back issues setting up and explaining what specifically happened to them. That's the reality of Days of Future Past, right? So, so Gillen, Ewing, Spurrier, they're leaning into that a bit here with Sins of Sinister. And again, because I do want it to end and I want it to get to the conclusion, like it's, it's so focused, I think, in, in what it's trying to get to, which is a sinister race to Dominion or to reset the Moira clones, that there's not a lot of wiggle room as far as possible outcomes, right? We're going to get to a Moira. We're going to go back to the standard line of X-Men comics. There's, there's wiggle room in terms of how you do that, in terms of maybe any surprise, you know, does, does somebody hit a Dominion and they're out there, right? Does, does something like that happen? You know, you, you've got some possibilities, but generally it's laser-focused. So it's like, all right, we know where we're going. We know where this is going to end up. How interesting is the journey? Um, so I don't know. It, it was the first issue where I was like, I'd, I'd like to see this. What is Colossus doing? 
the Soviet Empire. Like there are there are elements to this that are really fascinating. I again, I bet these will be explored. I still think this would make a super cool Marvel Unlimited um, Infinity line. You know, have creators come in and fill in the details of Sins of Sinister. But uh, but until then, until then, you know, it's all going to be up in the air. But again, that you know, it's it's fine and isn't. It's fine and it isn't. Uh, Sins of Sinister is not. It's just not my favorite event. You know, I like it fine, uh, but but here we are in the back third of it, and I'm I'm more excited about returning to Gillen and Ewing on Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red than I am this specific series, right? I, I don't think it's hit as hard as maybe I hoped it would. Um, and it also, I mean, I think if you just compare it on an event basis, right, to even like Gillen's previous event from last summer, Axe Judgment Day. I think Judgment Day was was a better event as these things go, you know? And this is kind of a mini one, so it's like it's graded on a curve to a degree. But uh, it's not a knockout. It's not a knockout, definitely. You know, it's not one of my, my Marvel faves of the year, I wouldn't say. I don't think it's going to be on that list. Um, and I thought it might have been. So so the big plot thing that happens here is Destiny leaves a message for Mr. Sinister, uh, she has his Moira base, but lost it when she was tricked by Storm, which we saw in Storm of the Brotherhood. Uh, she tells Sinister that if he can get to the Moiras, that she'll join Mr. Sinister once he returns the timeline. And she gives an impassioned plea as to basically like, basically like this, this hell was worth living because Mystique was here with me. Um, she's no longer here, so it's no longer worth living in. Uh, listen, I just want to find a way to keep Mystique. I will join you to do that. You know, it's more or less what it boils down to, which is heartfelt and sincere and and definitely interesting as far as those characters are concerned. It raises some questions to me as far as how how would Destiny know to join Sinister if you reset the timeline? You know, why would she have any memory of that? I guess there are tricks you could employ with Sinister, you know, injecting this memory or something or having someone be like, read my mind and showing her. But why would Destiny trust that? That was reality, given it's the nature of, nature of Mr. Sinister. So I'm unclear on that part of things, but I don't know. Those are kind of semantic details. So Sinister takes this message, and uh, he goes back to Earth, and he finds a broken Doombot with Robot Moira, who apparently did not die. Um, she has survived all this time in a cave with a Doombot, doing what? Who knows? Surviving. It's her thing. Uh, and they are now going to Orbis Stellaris's weird sun base and world harm and trying to find the Moira clones to reset things. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, it works. I mean, Storm of the Brotherhood is definitely the, the one of these that I am most into by far. Uh, that said, it's, it's an enjoyable read. And like I said, I think when it all comes together, it's going to read quite well, but you know, just those solicits I read where I'm like, Oh yeah, Doug, quiet council, immortal, like immortal X-Men is so good. X-Men Red is so good. Like, like it's time to get back to those books. I'll be excited when this when this event is over. Um, and definitely I'm curious to see how it ends, you know. All right. Let's see. We got a super chat here from Keon. Says, keep up the good work, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, Brandon Jones, also here in the super chat. Thank you for your support of Comic Book Herald. It means a lot. Thank you very much. Let's see. Ian asks, do you think that message was actually for Sinister or Rasputin the Fourth? Oh, definitely sinister. Definitely sinister. I mean, it, it felt um, very coded specifically to him. Let's see. 
Keon says, since Sinister has made me hyped to go back to the main timelines, though, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I mean, I'm, I'm so ready <laughs> for these books all to come back. I mean, it, you know, it is part of the thing, too, where it's like when Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red are pulled out of the X-Men lineup, you know, you're, you're missing your two aces, right? You're missing your two star players. Um, it's not, not ideal. Let's see. <clears throat> All right. Get any questions, get any thoughts, and I will answer them here. We'll take one more swig of water and we'll take any questions and then we'll let it be. All right. <clears throat> Thanks everybody for joining today. Again, I have not read Wolverine, so I will not, I'm here. I'm, I'm going to guess that Beast does some awful things. That he continues to wield a giant robot, and that Wolverine wants to kill him but has not yet, and that nothing has been resolved. That's my guess for what happened in Wolverine number 32. Um, but, uh, you know, at some point, that'll that'll get somewhere, right? I'm, I'm really curious what a Percyverse Wolverine in X-Force could look like in a post-fall of X-Landscape. You know? Like, like at some point, you think the wheel's going to turn and it's going to do something else. Um, but I guess I've been thinking that for four years, so who knows? Who knows? Bill says, could Moira have a change of mind following Sinister? Uh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think Sinister is the best at, at changing minds. All right. Good job, everybody. Well done today. We did it. We're here. End of the day. Another day of comics. The fall of X is coming. Um, yeah, no, I'm super excited about about what this summer's going to bring. I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff up in the air right now, right? What's going to happen at the Hellfire Gala? Um, these, you know, Genesis and Apocalypse family coming back. That's going to be super interesting. Good stuff is to come. Let's see, next week we go to X-Men 21. We got Storm of the Brotherhood of Mutants number three, which I'm definitely going to be the most excited about. And... Technically, that X-23 book, which I will not be talking about. Do not ask me any questions about it. I am not interested. All right. I think that's it. So mostly we're going to talk about Storm of the Brotherhood. Let's see. Hopefully we get some news or something as well. Otherwise, I'm going to have to think of something else to talk about. So thanks, everybody, for listening. You're all awesome. As always, enjoy the comics.